Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Mean Old Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well researched, and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge because, as she says, all doctors aren't created equal. This quest to educate women birthed this podcast, Pregnancy Pearls, with Dr. Plenty. Thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast with me, Dr. Nicole Plenty. Y'all, we're in another year. Happy 2023. Thanks for everyone who's been there with me, rocking with me since I started the podcast in 2020. Thank y'all for being so loyal. Oh, y'all just make a girl feel good. Now, if you're new to the podcast, let me catch you up. So the podcast was started in 2020 after I had a super high risk pregnancy. I was delivered by one of my best friends, Dr. Kim Harris, who practices at Community Health Network in Indianapolis, Indiana. You can find her in season one, actually, of the podcast, which she talked about postpartum sexual intercourse. Okay, so I think it's like episode two or three. It's like one of the early episodes. So check that out. I was delivered by her. And had several handpicked subspecialists who took amazing care of me. But I realized that not everyone has someone who is knowledgeable they can call and text with questions. So I created Pregnancy Pearls Podcast and Pregnancy Pearls with Dr. Plenty so that I can now be that knowledgeable best friend for you. So, hey, besties. And now look at us. We're in the middle of season three. Won't he do it? Yes, he will. So a few of you have been asking questions about various gestational ages and what to expect at that gestational age. So we'll talk about what to expect at eight weeks, 12 weeks, 20 weeks, 32 weeks, and maybe we'll do an episode on 36 weeks. So those are going to be separate episodes this month. Um, So I figure today we'll talk about the eighth week of pregnancy. So by eight weeks, your baby's organs are in full swing of development. Your baby is the size of like a raspberry or a blackberry. Uh, So small but mighty. Your baby will grow about a millimeter er uh, every day. Now, previously, your baby had a little tail on it. Now your baby has limb buds and early formation of arms and legs. Now, this is usually around the time that you will get a dating ultrasound and you should be able to hear the baby's heartbeat. Now, if you can't, then you might be a little too early. Okay, so don't really freak out. This is pretty common. Now, in addition to prenatal vitamins, you should also be taking extra folic acid. So check your prenatal vitamins to see if you have 800 micrograms of folate in those. And if you don't, then get you some folate. So I always tell my patients to take 800 to 1,000 micrograms of folic acid, even if you're low risk. Now, if you're diabetic, you should have 
at the upper limit, you should have a milligram, which is a thousand micrograms of folate every day. If you have a seizure disorder or you're on a medication that interferes with folate metabolism, then you need four milligrams a day. Yeah, I know. Don't worry, you're not going to overdose on folate. Your body just, you know, gets rid of it like it does any other ways, okay? You go number one and number two and you get rid of the extra folate. So folate is not like, you know, too much, you know, vitamin A or anything like that. We don't want too much of that. Folate, your body absorbs what it needs. And so then you get rid of, you know, the other stuff that you that you don't need, okay? Now, for some, this might be the time you start having pregnancy symptoms and you have yet to initiate your prenatal appointment, okay? So if you've gotten your first prenatal appointment, great. If you haven't, then don't freak out. That's okay. You find a provider and you look for providers in your area. So Google for the first time is your friend Um, or you can call your insurance company um, or visit their website and see which hospitals accept your insurance. And then from there, you can look at providers at that hospital and call the ones you like to see who's taking new patients. So so that is what I would do um, in terms of finding a provider. And let me digress for a second. So you see that we're talking about eight weeks. Now, eight weeks is usually the time where you are initiating your prenatal care. And some people haven't seen the doctor yet. So this is why these all these women's health laws and restrictions of six weeks and that's it, you know, for terminations. It's just absurd. Like you don't even know what's going on at six weeks. Some people haven't figured out they even missed a period at six weeks, let let alone be able to know what's going on with their their bodies and their pregnancy enough to know if they're going to continue the pregnancy or not. But you know what? I digress because I can get on that all day and we're not here for that. We're here to figure out what's going on at eight weeks. So let me go back to that. Okay. And I also, uh, you know, I'm just so surprised that we have not talked about this series a long time ago. You would think that these would be some of the first episodes that I would have done, but apparently not. And I, you know, when people send me questions, I was like, you know what, I should send them back to go listen to episode such and such. Because I'm really good at making people go back and listen to those things, especially if I feel like I've spelled it out really good. And um, yeah, I just have never broken down the gestational ages. So I'm really glad to get these questions for today so that we can break these things down so that you guys have this little resource that you can use for your upcoming pregnancy or for this pregnancy that you're going through right now. Now, some of the symptoms you might start to experience around eight weeks are... Morning sickness, that's our number one. That's why how we, some people figure out they're pregnant. All of a sudden they start vomiting. That doesn't usually start until about seven or eight weeks, y'all. So most of the time when you start to have morning sickness, you know you are in the full swing of things, okay? You're not just missing a period by a week. You're probably around this gestational age of eight weeks. You're going to feel tired all the time and you sleep so much. You know, dad's asking, oh my gosh, she sleeps all day long, Dr. Plenty. Is this normal? Yes, it's normal. It takes a lot of energy, y'all, to grow a tiny human. So yes, you are sleeping while your body is sort of getting adjusted to all of the energy it's burning to give life to this tiny human that you are growing. So it takes a lot of takes a lot of energy. I mean, you deserve an Academy Award for growing a tiny human. I don't think people give uh, 
moms enough credit for for just being pregnant. Like it's hard to be pregnant. It's not easy. It's very hard. So of course you're going to be tired. Okay. Cause you don't feel like you work the graveyard shift tired. Okay. Very common symptom, breast tenderness, or even breast enlargement. People say, Oh, my breasts are hurting. They're painful. I don't want my husband to touch my breasts. They're painful. Oh, my nipples hurt. That is completely normal. The increasing raging hormones through your body will help with proliferation of breast tissue. Okay. So your breast can be bigger, can be um, tender as your, um, you know, your milk ducts uh, start to develop as your mammary glands get bigger. Um, you do get some breast tenderness there. And then some people say my breasts itch. Okay. If your breasts are growing in size, usually that's more towards the later end of the pregnancy, but it can happen this early too. People say, oh, my breasts are itching. That's, that's common as well, y'all. Now, lower belly or pelvic cramping, that's common because your uterus is like a pancake. It's usually flat on the inside, okay? And whenever that pancake starts to expand and now become like a donut in the inside, yeah, you know, that gestational sac or the sac that the baby sits in is pushing on that muscle. Your uterus is just a big muscle. And it does cause some cramping. So like prying the cavity open from being flat like a pancake to now round like a donut in the inside. So you can have some lower belly pain, some cramping. Don't let this freak you out. It's normal. It is normal. Okay. If it's bearable, if it's tolerable, you're walking around, you're not bleeding. Don't worry about it. Okay. Now, if you have pain, a sharp stabbing pain or twisting or crushing or crushing pain on one side versus the other, and you have not had your pregnancy confirmed, then you need to get it checked out, right? Because this could also, an early pregnancy before a pregnancy is confirmed, be a sign of an ectopic pregnancy, okay? If you have pain on one side or the other, and we don't know if the pregnancy is in the uterus yet, get it checked out, okay? Now, it could also be that you have an ovarian cyst called a corpus luteal cyst. Everybody has one of those that can cause pain on one side of the belly or another, okay, because that's a cyst that's on the ovary. That's common as well, okay? But if you don't know if your pregnancy is in the uterus yet, you always want to get that checked out. Funny story, that was how I found out I was pregnant. I was at Orange Theory. Yeah, that's when I used to work out all the time, y'all. Listen, I used to look good, okay? Before this baby, don't let this baby fool you. Don't let this baby wait fool you. I used to look good. So I was at Orange Theory. Now, let me say, I still look good at my weight. I still look good. Okay, still look good, but I used to be fit looking good. Okay, let me say it like that. So I was at Orange Theory on the row machine. Now, if you've been to Orange Theory before, you already know it's like a love hate relationship with the row machine, right? So I'm on the rower and I hear a pop on the left side of my belly and I'm thinking, oh my God, that hurt. But what do you do? It's Orange Theory. You only have like, you know, five minutes on that circuit. So you're like, I'm going to push through. I'm going to do this, right? And I started to row again and I that pain came back. And I had to tell the instructor who was Sean that day. Shout out to Sean and Fishers at the Orange Theory on uh by Olia Road. Anyway, um I'm rowing. I said, listen, I may have to leave. I'm feeling a lot of pain. He said, Are you okay? I said, Yeah, I'm fine. So I went home, got dressed, and you know, really I was sort of excited to get up out of there because you know, it's like you make yourself go, you feel the adrenaline, but any excuse you can get to get out of there, I'm going to do, right? So 
that was sort of like my little excuse to get up out of there. So I'm driving home. I've still got this little dull ache. It's not as bad because I'm not really rowing anymore, right? So it's cooled down some. So I go home and take a shower. I get dressed to go to work. I go to work and I tell my sonographer, hey, I have this sharp pain on the side. Can you scan me? Can you do an ultrasound? So she puts the probe on my belly and she said, oh, that's a cyst on your left ovary. That looks like a corpus luteum. Ha ha ha. Right. And so I'm like, "Mm, yeah, nah, yeah, no. Now, now at that time, my husband and I, we did, we were trying to have a baby, right? Because we said we wanted to have a baby. We had a miscarriage the year before and then didn't try to have a baby. And then this was the second month of us trying to have a baby. So I'm like, well, you know, we only had intercourse at one time when I was ovulating. So that's probably not it. And I went and peed on a stick, right? You get there like pee in this cup. So I see this really faint line and I'm like oh my you know I don't know what that is you know it was barely there y'all and so my other sonographer was like oh no you're pregnant I'm like no 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 it's just a little bitty I think that might just be an error so she goes and pees in a cup and she used herself as a control now that sonographer's name is Angela lover to death she uses her own urine as a control and she says see this is negative and this is positive so I then urinated in another cup did another cup. Y'all, we did three tests and they went from super faint and they just kept looking a little bit more positive. So at that point, I'm like, okay, I guess I am pregnant, right? And the crazy thing is my whole office knew. My whole office was waiting for this pregnancy test to be positive. But either way, that is how I found out I was pregnant. Orange theory, felt a short pain, had a corpus luteal cyst that was there, got an ultrasound, saw the corpus luteal cyst, positive urine pregnancy test. So lower abdominal and pelvic cramping, very common. It can be on one side or the other if it's a corpus luteal cyst. But like I said before, if you're, if you have not confirmed your pregnancy, please get it checked out because it also, these are also symptoms of an ectopic pregnancy. So we want to make sure we rule that out because that can be pretty dangerous. All right. Next symptom that's super common at eight weeks, constipation. (laughs) Another funny story that may be TMI, right? I'm in clinic. Now, shout out to Community Health Network's maternal fetal medicine team. Okay. This was like my family. Okay. The sonographers were amazing. So I come to work and, you know, I'm an OBGYN, double, double board certified maternal fetal medicine specialist as well. Right. I should know these things. But until you experience them, it's sort of hard to realize how devastating they are. You know, I treated a lot of constipation and pregnancy like, Ugh, this person's coming in again with constipation. No, y'all, constipation and pregnancy is like a real thing. Like it will make you feel like you are about to die. And that is how I felt when I was pregnant. I came in, I hadn't had a bowel movement in like four days. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I feel like my whole backside is about to fall off if I don't have a bowel movement, right? So I'm like miserable. Y'all can barely sit down. And so my sonographer is like, oh, you need this, you need that, right? So I'm calling my husband, go pick up, you know, go pick up a glycerin suppository, go pick up this, go pick up that, go pick up an enema. So it has a glycerin suppository, an enema. I mean, he has all the things, right? And he brings them up to work and drops them off. Like I'm going to use them at work. Of course not, right? So they're instructing me. They're like, okay, out of the ones he bought, what I would do is the enema, okay? I would do the enema. And you get a towel, you lay on the floor, 
you're going to insert, you're going to insert the enema on, you know, all fours, squirt it, and then you're going to roll over to your side and you're going to lay there as long as you can until you feel the urge to go. And then once you feel the urge to go, you should be able to get a release, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm doing this as soon as I get home because I'm, I'm miserable. You know, I'm faking it until I'm making it, going to see patients. And realistically, I want to cry every time I walk in somebody's room. So I go home, I do exactly what they say. I don't even, I don't even read the instructions on the back of the box. I said, nope, this is what my sonographer said to do. I'm going to do this. They said, it's better to warm this thing. I'm running warm water in the sink. I'm letting it sit. This is what I'm going to do, right? And my God, it, when I tell you it worked in 10 minutes, it, it works in 10 minutes. <laughs> in 10 minutes, the little suppositories did nothing for me. The enema worked, okay? <laughs> the enema worked. And at that point, I told myself, self, do not let yourself get constipated ever again in life. And so the secret to avoiding constipation, y'all, water. You got to drink a ton of water. When I tell you, you really need to drink four to five bottles of water a day, that's like the minimum. Like that's just enough to allow yourself to have a bowel movement every other day. You need a bowel movement every day. Make sure you incorporate some fiber in your diet, move around, walk, get your five bottles of water in. I'm telling you, this will save you, okay? Water is key to constipation. I'm telling you, out of all of these symptoms that I'm discussing today, that constipation is the one that will make you think twice about having another baby. (laughs) It will make you think twice because you feel so helpless. You know, you feel super helpless. That and I have morning sickness. Nausea vomiting sucks as well, but constipation for sure. I felt like, oh my God, this is a real thing. Okay, so get rid. Don't don't let yourself get constipated. All right, now some people have vivid dreams. Now I did not experience vivid dreams, but some people have very vivid dreams. Um, they say that you know certain people talk to them in their dreams. They can remember their dreams. They're very colorful. Um, so this is very common in pregnancy to have vivid dreams. So don't let that scare you. And I say dreams should be nightmares, but uh, you know some people are different. But it should be vivid, colorful, animated dreams, and then a heightened sense of smell. Okay, so smell everything. So that's why if you go in the OBGYN's office, we're not burning any you know diffusers with scented oils in them. We, you know, the, the, your doctor's not wearing any scented lotions or perfumes. We already know that you have a heightened sense of smell. We want to smell like soap and water. Okay. That's what we want to smell like. We don't want to smell like anything. No, no, like bath and body work soap, soap and water. We want to smell like dove sensitive. Okay. That's what we smell like when you smell us because we don't want to be the trigger for you because some of these smells, um, will trigger pregnant women and all of a sudden they'll vomit. Now, me, myself, I was like that. The smell of chicken would make me vomit. I couldn't even smell a chicken, the look of chicken. You know, I definitely couldn't eat chicken. So food aversions you can get as well. But just the smell, it just, I mean, just made me nauseated and I had nausea vomiting my whole pregnancy. So yeah, the heightened sense of smell is a real thing. I smell my husband be like, can you take a, did you, oh my God. Your skin, you know, the smell of your skin right now after working all day. Hmm, little tingy. You know, and usually I wouldn't say, oh, you're a little tingy. Pregnancy, you're a little tingy. Get yourself in the shower before you get in these sheets, okay? Because we can smell you, okay? If a pregnant woman says you smell good, you smell good, you just you smell good. Okay, let's say that. Pregnant woman says you smell good, you're smelling great. All right, so 
now that you know that all these symptoms are completely normal and you know more about being eight weeks pregnant, let's go to some cases. Our first case is a 24-year-old who is seven weeks and six days pregnant with her second child. She just found out that she was pregnant. Her first child had spina bifida. She recalls being told that she needed more folic acid as early as possible in pregnancy, but doesn't recall how early. She presents for ultrasound and a consultation to see if she's too late for folate to be effective. All right. So people that have a history of a previous child with spina bifida, that's the same thing as an open neural tube defect, which means that there are certain parts of the vertebral body, certain vertebral bodies that are exposed, okay, to amniotic fluid, okay? That's an open neural tube defect. Now, there's also a closed neural tube defect, which, which means that the um, the spine, there's certain parts of the spine or what's called the vertebrae, vertebrae make up the spine, um, that are not in the canal. So those nerves can come out of the canal, okay? They're supposed to go through the middle part of the vertebral body. Instead, they're protruding through, but the skin is still covering them. So that's a closed neural tube defect. Either way, those nerves have popped through the vertebral body, whether that means that those bodies are actually missing or whether there's just a defect there that's caused those nerves to be exposed. Now, spina bifida or open neural tube defect can lead to some issues. So if you have, depending on how big it is, if you have a, a significant spina bifida with a significant amount of spinal nerves exposed, that can lead to issues with innervation or nerve supply from anywhere at the defect or below, okay? So most common spina bifida is going to be lower, okay? Your lumbar or sacral spine, okay, has a defect in it. And if that's the case, that can cause you to have issues with bowel and bladder function. It can cause your baby to have issues with walking as well. And some of this is repairable and some of it may not be repairable depending on the size and the type of the defect, okay? Now, usually if you've had a baby with spina bifida in a previous pregnancy, your subsequent pregnancies, all of them, we want to make sure that one, we do genetic counseling to see if there's something in your history that puts you at risk for having a baby with spina bifida. Like, do you have some type of problem with methylation, okay, that causes you to put be at higher risk of having a baby with spina bifida? Are you taking certain medicines that's causing you to have a baby with spina bifida? So the most common would be, hey, somebody uh, is on methotrexate because they have arthritis or some other autoimmune disease. You know, we want to make sure that we're not on those for at least three months before we get pregnant. If you're on, you know, any other drug for seizure disorder, okay, then we want to also make sure that we switch you to a pregnancy safe medication and get you off of valproic acid if that's what you're on. Now, if valproic acid is the only thing that works and we know that that interferes with folic acid metabolism, it's known to do that, then we want you want to put you at a higher dose of folate starting before your pregnancy, Okay. Same thing if you have a history of a baby with spina bifida. We want you on that higher dose before the pregnancy. Usually that higher dose is four milligrams. Remember we talked about that earlier, that you can't OD on folic acid. Folic acid is the same thing as folate, okay? You can't OD, but you don't need to just be on that 400 micrograms that's in your 
prenatal vitamin. Some prenatal vitamins have 800 micrograms, but if you have a previous child with spina bifida, you need to be on 4,000 micrograms, which is four milligrams. No, it's not too late for you to start it. Would we have liked for you to start it before you got pregnant? Well, yeah, but you're seven weeks and six days and that spine is still developing until the 12th week, okay? So this is a great time to throw folic acid at you. So I tell you, go ahead and start four milligrams of folate. Make sure you're eating a diet that's also high in folic acid. We want green leafy diet, okay? So no, you're not too late. Spinach is your friend. And 4,000 micrograms or four milligrams of folate is also your friend. So no, you're not too late. You're very early. At this gestational age, we're getting, you know, five, six weeks heart formation. The heart's starting to form and it's still developing right now. Your spine is going to start developing pretty soon after. So with completion around the 12th week. So this is perfect timing. Things in addition to genetic testing and counseling, um, I would also recommend the folic acid and then bringing you back around 18 weeks to look at your baby to see if we do have uh an open neural tube defect as well, okay? And with some babies, if you have what's called a myelomeningocele, okay, that's a big word that says, hey, you have folic acid, uh, you have a, a spinal cord defect and you know the brain uh, is pulled down some, you may be a candidate for a repair in utero, okay? There are centers where maternal fetal medicine uh, physicians and fetal surgeons work together and do in utero repair of myelomeningocele if they are there, okay? But you have to be a candidate for those. So there's certain things that certain people, they won't do repair. So first of all, certain type of myelomeningocele. Uh, secondly, you can't be obese. You can't have had a C-section. You can't be diabetic. So there are criteria for this because doing in utero surgeries uh, with those risk factors or those exclusion criteria can put you at risk for there being more harm, meaning put you at risk for your water breaking and having more complication with prematurity. So that's why they have strict criteria for that. But there are some types of myelomeningocele, which basically means a certain type of open neural tube defect or spina bifida that can be repaired in utero. Okay. But um, to prevent that, because you still are at the gestational age where you can, girl, get yourself some folic acid, four milligrams four milligrams and, you know, continue it through the first trimester. Now, some people are like, do I continue it through the whole pregnancy? Well, it can't hurt, but the spine is done by the end of the 12 week. So just know that you're not doing it to help reduce your risk of open or tube defects after that point, because, you know, the spine is done. So whatever's done by the time you're re 13 weeks, it's already done. You can't go backwards at that point. So this is a good time. Now, if you're on medicines that have, have caused this, okay? So if you're on seizure medicines, so I don't see that you have any medical problems, but for anybody listening, if you're on seizure medicines or you are a diabetic or you are um, you know, on methotrexate, for some reason, because you should not, that's one that we don't give any exceptions for. Sometimes it's like risk versus benefit to continue versus discontinue. Methotrexate is not one of those, y'all. You cannot be on that in pregnancy. But let's say you were on that and you're on something else that alters folic acid metabolism. Well, then obviously you need to continue folate the whole pregnancy because you're on medicines that can decrease your levels of folate. 
But if you're just doing this for risk reduction, then it's, you know, up until the 13th week is when you would stop it. All right. So the case pearl for this case is folate in pregnancy taken before 12 weeks reduces the risk of spina spina bifida, a.k.a. open neural tube defects. So if you're before that week, like eight weeks, this is a perfect time to start. All right, medical intern, do we have any other cases? Yes. Our second case is a 31-year-old who is eight weeks pregnant with her first child. She tested positive for COVID-19 last week. She had mild symptoms of a cough and low-grade fever for two days, but now she is asymptomatic. She presents for a dating ultrasound and consultation. Y'all, this is so common nowadays. Like if I see a pregnant person now that hasn't had COVID, I'm like, good for you. Go, girl. Because at this point, everybody's had COVID, right? The question is, are you pregnant getting COVID or are you not pregnant getting COVID? And one, hopefully, and it doesn't say whether you're vaccinated or not, but people that are vaccinated tend to have very mild symptoms, even if they're pregnant, versus those that are not. And so the thing we worry about is how does COVID affect the pregnancy? So it sounds like she's eight weeks now. She was seven weeks at that time. And, you know, between that three to eight week period is a crucial time. Okay. The likelihood of COVID crossing the placenta and causing things to happen, super low. Okay. COVID uh, cases that have been known to be transplacental have happened later in pregnancy. So more susceptibility in the third trimester, um, but it can put you at increased risk for miscarriages in pregnancy. So we do need to monitor you a little bit closer because it can put you at risk for miscarriage. But nine times out of 10, if you have antibodies circulating, then that risk is going to be lower. Okay. Um, also, usually people have a higher risk of miscarriage for with a prolonged fever and while they have an active COVID infection. Okay. Those people that are intubated, are oxygen dependent, um, they are more likely to lose their pregnancy. Eight weeks with a with you know low grade fever, if if that even was a fever, mom, because you didn't tell us what it was. Hundred point four is what I call fever. People are like, oh, it was ninety nine. That's a low grade fever. That is not a fever. Hundred point four is a fever. Okay, mild symptoms of the cough. Nine times out of ten, you're fine. But this is something that you need to let your OBGYN know, and it is a reason that they will do a detailed ultrasound. Because there's so much we just don't know about COVID yet. Okay, it's it's hit or miss. I have seen people that have lost pregnancies, but more more than likely with very mild symptoms, and you still being pregnant, that will not be the case. Okay, I have seen people that have issues with babies having little strokes in the brain, preterm labor, preterm delivery later in pregnancy, but usually you having COVID early in pregnancy should not affect your second, third trimester. So we're worried about the acute periods right now. For people that have had COVID, because there's a lot that we don't know, we know that if you get it in the first trimester and you make it through the first trimester, then nine times out of 10, your pregnancy is going to be fine. But we still want to do a detailed scan to look at the baby from head to toe just to make sure nothing's going on. Because like I said, there's still a lot we don't know about COVID. And then COVID-19 does put you at risk for having a smaller baby because it can cause vascular damage. So we do want to do growth scans after your 20-week ultrasound for anatomy. We'll do growth scans every month to monitor the size of the baby. If the baby is of normal size and the anatomy is normal, then you should not have anything to worry about, okay? Also want to make sure 
if you're not vaccinated, because I know some people are like, oh, well, you know, I didn't get vaccinated because I was thinking about getting pregnant or I'm, I'm pregnant. We do want we do want you to get vaccinated. OK, you can get COVID more than one time. It is safer to get vaccinated. Even in the pregnancy, it's still safe to get vaccinated. Um, sometimes I tell my patient, well, usually I tell my patients, wait until you, your second trimester. So after the 12th week to get vaccinated, just because there's a lot we don't know. But there's no studies, even at eight weeks of getting vaccinated, that cause any harm. Now, you did just have COVID. So you have a little time that you can wait because you, you should have some antibodies circulating around. So it does give you a little bit more time to get vaccinated. But if you're not vaccinated, you should get vaccinated to avoid anything later on. We don't know what these numbers are doing. China's numbers are like ridiculous at this point again. Like they're having several, you know, lockdown periods and things like that. Again, I'm hoping and praying that does not come to the U.S. or any other country, um, to be perfectly honest. I hope that China can get a, get a hold of their numbers again uh, like they did before. But because we don't know the future, I do recommend that you get vaccinated. I do recommend that everybody wash their hands. If you are around people and they have symptoms and they're like, oh, they're just my allergies, just assume they have COVID. Step six feet away from them. Be safe um, if you can. And, you know, take precautions when you're going out and about. And really, at this point, that's all you can do. But in terms of this eight-week pregnancy with very mild symptoms, nine times out of ten, like I said before, your pregnancy will be just fine. The case pearl for this case is COVID-19 can rarely cause issues with pregnancy. This risk is lower in patients who are vaccinated. All right, medical intern, do we have any emailed cases? We do. This one says, Dr. Plenty, I'm so excited that I'm now eight weeks and four days pregnant. I had an ultrasound, which confirmed my due date yesterday. Are there any foods I should avoid in pregnancy? And also, can I get a relaxer this early in pregnancy? Well, yay. Congratulations on being eight weeks, four days pregnant. That's exciting. So, um, you know, people always ask like, oh, my God, is there something I, you know, can I not eat? Y'all heard I can't eat bologna. I can't heard I can't eat this. So there are a couple things that you should avoid. Things that are high in mercury, you should avoid. So certain sushis, you know, um, you know, certain tunas, gravy tuna, king mackerel and swordfish um, in terms of your sushis, your raw sushis, you should avoid those. Those are high in mercury. The rest of the sushis you can go ahead and have enjoy. Okay. You can have as much as you would like. We want to make sure our all of our fruits and vegetables are washed. Okay. So I know people talk about, oh, you can't eat cantaloupe. No, you can't eat dirty cantaloupe. So just, <laughs> just make sure that it's washed. You know, now, you know, most of our foods that are sold in grocery stores have certain standards that they have to abide by. But I still want to make sure that you wash the outside of that fruit before you peel it because you don't want to introduce any bacteria into the fruit while you're peeling it. So you want to wash the outside of the fruit and then you want to peel it. You also want to make sure that the fruit you're eating is good. Okay, so don't eat fruit that's old. You know, toss it out when you when you need to. Don't try to like, oh, this strawberry is a little bit ripe, but I'm eat it. Just toss the strawberry away and get you some new fruit, girl. Just, just eat fruit that's ripe, but make sure that it's still good. People think you can't eat bologna. Now you can. I just tell people warm your cold cuts, sausages, things like that. Up. You want to make sure you you do the fried bologna sandwich, not the cold cut. Okay, so that will get some of your you know any type of bacteria out of it. So you want to warm your food. Make sure you cook it. 
sushi is an exception, right? They they have to sushi has to be a certain have a certain cleanliness to it for them to serve it. The bologna, y'all is slapping that thing in a pack. So just make sure you washing your meat and then putting it in the skillet to uh, cook it or the air fryer, whatever you want to do. But you can eat eat those. Now, I believe on my website, I do have like a whole list of these things you should avoid or should not, as well as a checklist for each prenatal visit. So go and check that out. But for the most part, your typical foods, you should be able to eat without, with the exception of those sushis that I just, uh, just named and making sure the cold cuts and the weenies are actually cooked through thoroughly. Okay. And your second question was about a relaxer in pregnancy. You know, I haven't had a relaxing question in a while because a lot of people don't get relaxes anymore. Now, I am not against the creamy crack. So you will not hear me talk about any type of cancer risk or things like that because those studies are inconclusive. All right. But if you like relaxers, you can get one. It's not going to cause any harm to the baby. Um, People think they can't get their hair done. People are like, can I get my hair done? Can I get, girl, look good. Can I get my nails done? Yes. Get your mani-pedi. Get your hair done how you want to get your hair done. That Those chemicals are not going to seep through your bloodstream to this baby. Okay, so you are fine. Now, some people can't stand the smell of a relaxer or can't smell the, stand the smell of, you know, nail polish remover. You know, wear a mask. I mean, now we're at the, the day and age where a mask is acceptable. Half the people in the hair salon are going to have masks on anyway. So if you are like, I get nauseated with the smell of a relaxer, but I really want one. Well, then wear a mask, okay? Wear a mask and you can put, you know, the little scent in the inside of the mask, whatever you like, so that you won't have to smell the smell of the relaxer or you won't have to smell the smell of acetone or the nail drill if you're in the nail shop. But no, it's not going to cause any issues with the pregnancy. That is a myth that your mama tried to tell you. (laughs) Get your hair done. Look good and be pregnant. All right. I think that that's all the cases and questions. And my medical intern is shaking her head. Yes. So thanks so much, you guys, for listening to Pregnancy Pearls podcast. I hope that you learned a lot more today about being eight weeks pregnant. And if you like what you've learned, please support by rating and commenting on our show on whatever platform you listen to and share with your friends. And happy 2023. I'm so excited to uh, get all of your questions this year and to get to know you guys. You know, so send send in all your questions. Let me know about your babies and your pregnancies because I want to know about them. Now, if you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypearls at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also, remember to follow me on Instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and Facebook at pregnancy pearls. And you can always check out the YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash pregnancy pearls with Dr. Plenty for quick talks about pregnancy complications. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. You are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except for you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Pregnancy Pearls is hosted by Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty. Produced by Nicole Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find Pregnancy Pearls on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions 
regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a mean old lion media production. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.